Oi, oi, welcome back to 10 Street Hooligans. I'm one of your hosts, John Dunning, also known as Orzov Dunn, and I'm joined by these schmucks. Hey, let's uh, go down the row, Mr. Coach. Hey, what's up, everyone? Coach from the Car Bazaar. That's it. That show's over, everyone. Johnny Slivers. Hello. How are you? I'm uh, I'm in the Green Mountain State, and we got extra green at the beginning of the month, and now it takes sixteen percent longer to get from point A to point B. Sixteen <laughs> percent. That's a I don't very even know what that means. Percentage. It means there's much more slower drivers under the age of twenty-five. And Magic with Zuby. Zuby here with Magic with Zuby on the Ten Street Hooligans podcast. How are you doing today, everybody? Ooh, super sexy today. Is, that, right. is that some good silky smooth radio yeah, voice? Sounds like we need some Marvin Gaye on the radio. There that is go. quite nice. Uh, and as you've seen, we are a unified front with all of our nice Cardsphere hats. So thank you, Ted, and everyone at Cardsphere for sponsoring the 10th Street Hooligans, Hive Mind, all that good jazz. Uh, if you have all those cards that you don't want anymore, you could trade them on Cardsphere.com or you could just go buy and sell at Cardsphere.com. You could also, if you do like these hats and you want hats, shirts, bags, stickers all the cool cards for your swag uh you could be like the 10 street hooligans and go to txcp.store enter promo code hive mind and get your 15 percent off all your great cards for your stuff that's txcp.store so without further ado that's the 10 street hooligans i am going to introduce my special guest uh with me today i had i had a, uh, this is a slow roll because i had another beer uh kind of saved up for the show but i've just been in kind of a, a weird funk uh, which were this is a good segue to talk about uh so i i just thought that that beer wasn't strong enough so i got something that i have a cork i have to uncork it's the brother uh theolanus the uh theolanus i don't know it's a belgian style abbey ale this thing's 10 percent uh it's a big bitch uh it's got a it's, from, it's a north coast brewery <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I decided I want to get a little crunk tonight. So, uh, anyone else have a special guest with them? I've got some Nestle Pure Life water that I got from Walmart. He's like the healthiest one out of all of us. You see this, right? You're so loyal <laughs> to your brand, too. <laughs> <laughs> Nestle specifically, yes. Mm, um, I, fig I figured yes. some topic-wise, we're getting a little highbrow today. I'm celebrating with some Canadian Crown <laughs> Royal. Damn. We're going to get that sound. Uh, how do you got to pour a little bit, then just drink out of the bottle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Whatever, whatever's, whatever's in this cup, that's what I'm drinking, so... I love, I love the mystery cup. <laughs> it's just We're gonna have to gasoline. turn that into a legendary artifact, and you can sign it and give it to one of our one of our fans. Yes, is, is that an official Ten Street uh, hooligan tumbler? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is this, this is an unmarked Yeti cup that my fiance bought me. But you know, with between what the Booster Club gave me for their mug, with that other cup that I have from the Comic Con, no one can see what's inside it. So I mean, that's perfect mystery item. Yeah, I'm so just gonna have to make guessing in the chat room. So if it was a if it was an artifact card, it would be one of the like the flip the coins. It's like sometimes you get a good tasty beverage, sometimes you just get like cat urine, or sometimes you get nothing at all, <laughs> or worse, malt liquor. Oh man, don't don't go in the uh, South Central LA with that attitude, John. <laughs> <laughs> 
So let's get this thing started. So yeah, the first I'm going to kind of take the reins uh, as far as the the topics go on the first thing, um, and we'll probably sprinkle in a little bit of what's been going on, but hopefully not just because. Uh, but uh, I want to talk about when things go wrong. Uh, when things go wrong as a content creator, the past two weeks have really showed me what happens when things do go wrong. Uh, I kicked off the summer road trip with Sam Tang from Kitchen Table Magic. It was just absolutely uh, great and a crazy dude. Um, I got to sit sit with him afterwards for a while and and have some some beverages, and he just kind of told me the ins and outs and I won't spoil any industry secrets for him on the Ooh. show, but okay. it was just, it was very enlightening. Uh, we'll say that, but what happened was, you know, we had this, uh, we got comped this giant, like private dining room, uh, called the library, uh, not the strip club, uh, that's in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> but, but the library in the Mox boarding house in Bellevue, Washington is just this like Harry Potter esque, like, uh, top to bottom with books. It's just absolutely great. It, it was very cool to see uh, and to be part of. And we filmed this this great show out of there. And while I'm looking at the chat and looking at everything, I'm starting to see it's getting a little weird. I'm getting the, you know, for, from you guys telling me that it was looking kind of fuzzy. So alarms are going off, but I did not realize how bad it actually turned out. And it's just because the, I guess the Wi-Fi there, whatever, it, whatever happened, happened. And uh, hour long worth of content got only, you know, we only got video for 16 minutes of it. And the video that we got was just abysmal and it just wasn't up. You know, we have pretty low standards here on this channel, but the, <laughs> the, the those weren't even like the standards, uh, couldn't even meet those. So luckily, um, Sam was a professional enough to record the audio, so I still got to upload that. And hopefully uh, everyone out there, whoever watches the show or is a fan of the hive mind, still got some enjoyment out of that. But it, it's stuff like that. And there's another instance, you know, I think a year ago I had another channel on now disbanded um, Breakfast with Nerds, which was just fantastic. I missed They them. are officially disbanded. They are. They are done. They are done. Man. Oh, man. I love those guys, too, them. man. Yeah, I have a mug from them. Uh, now it's going to be worth something. No, um, <laughs> I just felt terrible because it's it was one of those things where I had uh, Randy and Paul on, and it was just a, a hilarious show. Uh, we were doing all this man. stuff, and I then they were just taking a break. Oh no, yeah, I, I got the official word that they're just an indefinitely hiatus, um, and would would know a lot of people say that, and then you get a thing, but I don't. They're not coming back. Um, but yeah, I, I recorded a show with them. The that's when we were doing the pre-recorded shows uh, for the Hive Mind before we were doing the live format, and the file got corrupted. I lost the entire show. Those guys were, were nice enough to come back on and, and and do it again. But it's just, you know, the the question that I want to pose to the rest of the hooligans is, you know, what's what's the biggest time that something like this has happened, and how how do you get through something like this? Oh, where to start? Uh, let's see the bolus animation that I did through Krita. Remember telling y'all that spent like 14 hours or like one and a half days on animation and, and then tried to upload it and lost everything. Yeah. That was like a month ago. And so that's when I had the plan of, Oh, might as well do what John does and just do it on my phone, which took like four hours and it was much <laughs> easier. So I guess, you know, instead of spending it on Krita, you might as well just do it on your phone. So yeah, it turned it turned into something super hectic and waste of time to like okay, this is way more efficient. So, you know, in some ways I'm glad that did happen. But yeah, like that and then oh, 
probably I think that was probably the biggest thing I could like remember. What about you guys? I probably got anything. Once upon a time, I used to post videos, and I was trying to <laughs> I was trying to do video with like a little can Canon like point and shoot, and it would take video and record and all that stuff. And anybody who's started doing content creation with just a regular point and shoot that tried to re record more than fifteen minutes learned the hard way that you lost everything after that because it just shuts off. It doesn't yeah. tell you. It's just like you're done. You're done. You're not recording anymore, and you have to go through and record bits at a time. I lost. Yeah, I lost stuff trying to do that, and. I've had other woes with trying to figure out editing and compressing, like figuring the first time I tried uploading, didn't understand you had to compress a file. It was taking hours and hours <laughs> and hours. And yeah, I was you know. like, I went asking around, like, what do I do? And I went and found the program called Handbrake, where you just click a button and it compresses it down from six gigs to six megabytes and changes everything. So it, you know, stumbling errors, stuff like that. And then I just take breaks from the content production of my own stuff because life, that kind of stuff. Once we get back to the school year, I'll probably get back to doing some more writing. Yeah. Yeah, I've got two stories that come off the top of my head. Uh, one is, I don't know if you guys remember the magic streamer, Mrs. Mulligan. Um, she used to stream a lot about two years ago on magic. Yeah, yeah and, um, um, her and Pigeon, right? No, 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 no. It's someone else. Um, it's she, she was quite popular about two years ago and then she started going off of magic. And then, um, so uh, she and I had this really good interview. It was like two hours <laughs> long. We were going really going good back and forth. And then I had a Skype plugin at the time to record her track while I'm recording my track. And then at the end of the interview, um, you know, we say goodbye and I go check the audio file and her track got corrupted. So it's two hours down the drain and then right. nice enough to come back on. And it felt so forced. Like if you go back and listen to that episode, it feels so forced that we tried to make the same chemistry, but it didn't happen. And also breakfast with nerds. When I had them on, they got fucked up too. They're, they're it's just audio. them then. <laughs> <laughs> no, so what happened with them is their audio desynced. So like Randy's audio was, like way off track mm -hmm. and I had to spend, I don't know how many hours to try to get just his track on par mm -hmm. with everyone else. And I had to listen to each conversation over and over and over. I never went back and listened to the finished product. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hear these guys anymore. <laughs> <I> was just, <laughs> and that's why I they mean, broke up. <laughs> no, 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 no. And it's nothing against them or anything, but you know what I mean? Like you're just listening to the same thing. Like, okay, did Randy say this thing here? Right. Did, does it make sense and all that stuff? And it was oh, it was so painstaking, and it was, and yeah, I mean that shit just happens, and it's yeah. part of content creation, and it sucks. It really sucks when it happens, and sometimes you just want to say fuck it, throw it away, and but especially you know doing my show, it's I got to make sure I get an episode out every week, so I have to painstakingly take hours of my night to you know try and fix it. Well, it just makes you at least for me, it just makes me feel like like amateur hour and, and I, I mean even from and i try to keep it in the context of just magic stuff but i mean there was a a whole thing when i used to do that that talk show with uh with walking dead our whole first live show same, same thing completely gone uh the file got corrupted we had to do it again and, and like you said zuby it's like we we were sitting there trying to redo the the, the same like 
jokes yeah. and shit like that. It just comes off as horrible. Yeah. Um, and and last night, if, if anyone, you know, some people did tune in from the, the Magic audience, because I had Jason Alt uh, on Director's Cut when we were talking Paul Thomas Anderson, and my fucking microphone decided to just go crazy. And it's just those things where it's like, it makes you want to crawl into a hole. It's hard enough to put yourself out there as a content creator anyways. Um, you know, because everyone, there's ridicule, there's, uh, you know, and, and I'm one of the ones, I consider myself a critic, especially as far as like films and stuff like that go. So it's just like, you're you're putting yourself out there anyways to be criticized, but there's, you're, you're already shooting yourself in the leg when, when just the stupid tech stuff's there. So it's really disheartening. It really rips your heart out when, when, especially when you feel like you have a great show, like I had last night and when I had with Sam uh, over at Mox boarding house. Um, so, I mean, long story short is I'm going to kind of, it's not like I'm canceling the summer road trip. I'm going to have the same three people I had on and Sam was already one of them. So that's one of the three. Yeah. I'm still gonna have the same ghosts. <laughs> the same ghosts. <laughs> the same ghosts. The same uh, guests. Uh, rather, <laughs> nothing happened to Sam. I promise. Uh, uh, but to say, are you are you sure? Like, did you not murder? Yeah, I, haven't, him? I haven't heard from him on Twitter lately. So, what's John? going on? So, who? Sam Tang? Yeah. I don't know. What'd what you happened? do? Well, oh yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he might be a ghost. He might be a ghost. <laughs> ghost. A ghost. Yeah. Space ghost. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your new Zodiac killer. That's right. I'll take it. Um, I'm a huge David Fincher fan. But no, uh, I'm still. So next week, um, instead, uh, it's not going to technically be the summer road trip or whatever, but I'm still going to have, uh, and I guess it's uh, you heard it here first. It's Chris Van Meter uh, oh, from shit. Card Kingdom. Uh, he's going to be on. He was formerly of Star City Games. He was one of those original, like Brad Nelson, BBD, uh, Dave, uh, uh, David McDarby, Danny West, all those guys. He was in that kind of circle doing those versus videos. So I'm really excited to do that. We were going to do it at Mox Boarding House in Seattle, but I just don't feel, you know, it's like, it's like I, I'm, I'm a confident person and you have to be a confident person, so to speak, to do this kind of thing. But I just don't feel confident you know. in my setup now. I know. Right. Uh, to, <laughs> to go ahead and do that live kind of thing or, or on location type thing. So, you know, tune in next week. We'll do Hive Mind at like regular uh, with Chris Van Meter. So uh, and, and that's the thing. So later on, you know, it, it's good incentive, though, because I turned it to wanting to crawl into a hole and never do this again to now having motivation to to you know get larger and, and do all this stuff to be able to get to a point where i could get a better setup and stuff like that so i don't know what what how did you guys kind of get over and and push through when when shit kind of hit the fan sheer dumb luck just like with the uh sheer with the luck. yeah that's that's with the creta stuff yeah that was and, and just going back to like you know me my way of thinking is you have to have a backup plan and being a teacher, you have to have like several backup plans when stuff doesn't go your way. So I, I guess with me, it's, it doesn't hurt as much because, you know, if I'm doing a project like, okay, what if something goes completely wrong when I'm going to fall back on and I have something ready to go. Uh, so, you know, I, I think overall I handed, handle it a little bit better than, than the average person just because my, my thinking style, but you know, I, I guess I've only had like the Creta stuff and probably like, you know, right. You know, maybe one of the card anthology, like the earlier ones, like got corrupted. I couldn't find the file, which is why now after 
each and every draft that I do, I, I email it to like my, my Carbazar account and my personal account just so I could have a copy. So just in case something happens, okay, I have something to read off of. So I have some practices to where, you know, if something does go wrong, then I have a backup and I have, you know, other stuff that I could pull from and I could, I could trace it back to somewhere. So that's just how I've overcome it. I just give up. I just walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Honestly, like there was when I was doing some of the video stuff I was doing, it was me talking to a camera, which was really me just talking to myself. And I tried streaming a couple of times and that it felt weird. It felt like there's a chat. Nobody's in there. I'm talking to myself and it's going to the Internet and might be there forever. So I'm like, I feel like a crazy person (laughs) just talking to myself. So that that was a. I was like, I don't know. I wasn't sure what fit this situation right here. This is something I've always wanted to do, like getting into a conversation in a podcast or something like this. This is what I was really hoping for at some point in time. So naturally, that was my motivation for hanging out with you guys. I wanted to get in on this. You're but, welcome. Uh, <laughs> Are you just using us? Oh, Man. yes. I'm riding your coattails until they fall right off. Oh, but, okay, yeah. just but making also, sure. At <laughs> least you're honest like, with us. You're talking about your style. I, I my that like when you're trying to figure out your groove or things go wrong, you're not sure what you want to do. I always like to look at someone like Sam from Ristic Studies. I wish he had some of his old stuff. So up, much Sam the, love on this show tonight. I, I mean, the, the man went through years of experimentation with his content and he had like these massive breaks in his content production until he dialed it into like the perfect match for what he did. And I think he did it right. And I wish he had his old stuff up there because that was an inspiration for me. I was like, I saw what he was doing. And was like, okay, I'm getting my videos jacked up, but this guy's just kind of figuring out as he goes along too, and he's doing it better each time. So I, there, it's not over. It's just you gotta like maybe sometimes you gotta just step back from it and find the groove that really works for you and take it from there. So you know, it, it's some of this experimentation, but you got it's not wrong to step away from it. Um, Life begins at twenty is another example that he's does awesome yeah. content. And life changes happen in his life, and he, he's just stepping away from it for a bit. For a bit, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's something that happens with content creators. They like they crash and burn, and suddenly they think it's over. And, oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And you gotta. It's I see lots of people have come and gone, and like Breakfast with Nerds, they were there, they were doing good stuff, and then they just kind of like disappeared. I think so, it's funny because like it, it, how cancerous this community could be. Sometimes everyone could kind of agree that that Ristic Studies is just great. Like he's one of those ones that could like go between the tribes and everyone loves him. He's uh, okay. Be- <laughs> no, it's because his, his stuff is I'm just so too. it's just so absolutely it's just great and he just has this like he just has one of those faces that you want to punch but it, but want to kiss at the same time. Um <laughs> what? <laughs> No, I, I love Sam to death. Uh, and he's the only one that could kind of get away with having the record his upload schedule that he does. I mean, he has a huge following, but you know, and, and people wait for him. He, he uploads once every two weeks, but because his stuff is so amazing, it's it, it works. And I couldn't pull that off. It's like, if I'm not in people's face, like, hey guys, remember me? Uh, like twice, twice, three times a week. It's nothing. It's crickets. So <laughs> I don't know. Oh, and <laughs> And John, you and I have talked about this a lot, you know, content creation burnout. And it's something it's it's even something I mentioned on one of my episodes talking about creating content. It's it's something that everyone goes through and it's something hard to deal with. And, you know, 
that's why I always recommend taking a break for a week or two to, you know, just do something else, step back from it and just, you know, take a break for the most part. I mean, one of the things that a lot of people fall into the trap of when there's certain content creation is they want to grow immediately. They're right. not getting those numbers. They're not getting, you know, oh my gosh, I'm not getting recognized by Watsy or whoever, whatever kind of content you're doing. I mean, it's going to take time just like anything. I mean, you know, when you're starting a career, you're not going to start at the top, right? You got to climb that ladder, unfortunately. And same with content creation. You have to climb that ladder and you are going to fail. That's the one thing. Don't be afraid of failing because all your failures, failures will teach you something. How many times have I done a freaking episode of Magic Wazoobie and have gotten shit downloads? And it's, you know, I go back and look at it and be like, okay, why did it get shit downloads? You know? And then I try to reassess the situation and do something different, or I just say, fuck you. I don't care. I'm going to keep doing what I want. It's, <laughs> it's that, um, get your car. Sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> Screw it's, you guys. I'm going home. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'll ever become, you know, the, it, it, the magic community tends to kind of be like a WWE community or it's like, if I'm not getting the attention and the, and the great stuff that I feel like I deserve right away, then I'm just going to, you know, bash Watsy and take that route. I, I'm never going to oh, do yeah, that. That happens. Like, that happens a lot. And it's, um, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, I, I I don't really know what to say about that because I still feel like I'm a major small time creator and in the grand scheme of things, I really am. But, you know, I have had a recognition from Watsy and they're giving me preview cards before and I feel incredibly blessed by it. It's awesome. But then it's, you know, it's because I put a lot of hard work and effort and I'm still doing it. I mean, a lot of people like to shit on Brian from uh, Tolarian Community College that, you know, he's the shill and he gets all this free stuff. You know, hey, maybe he does get some free stuff. But you know what? That motherfucker puts out two videos a week consistently. for, And now that this is his full time job, he's he freaking works, what, six, seven days in his office. Yeah. I mean, would you want to be doing that, honestly, <laughs> all the time? <laughs> If it paid the bills. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but but there's a point where your sanity has to be, you know, reach a certain limit, you know, and that's the balancing game. You got to figure yeah. out the balance that works, works right for you. And then like what coach was even saying, like, how long would it take? You were talking about Phil Mora, one of the programs you're working with. It was taking yeah. how long, two years before you really got it down. It's oh, like, yeah. it's not, it's a matter of you got to, you have to really stick with it and even just doing it consistently and, and working on it and practicing at it. Or even mm -hmm. something as simple as there's a, there's a Twitter account called, I think it's called commander of the day. This guy puts out one oh, commander every yeah. day, every day. Wow. And it was like, at one point I even gave him a bump. It's like, follow this person. They, this just a Rolodex of random commanders. And every day there's a new commander popping up. He'll go through all of them eventually, but he can just start recycling them. And it's just like, Oh, that's a neat commander. I think I want to brew that. That's just, that's some, it's something that's simple and he's consistent. He just keeps yeah. doing it. Yeah. All right. Oh, and, and you know, yes, this is a magic, the gathering podcast, but it, it is also, I think a good, you know, platform to talk about content creation, because I think most of the demographic that, that follows us and follows the show and even the hive mind are other content creators. Um, so, you know, it, it's some of us, all of us has achieved some form of success in, in you know, in some form, coach the most, um, but no, <laughs> but Sorry. No, you know, it's just like, we've all gotten to certain things and we've gotten to do certain great things in the community. So it's like, take, take our, 
our advice with a grain of salt or, or take it to heart, you know, whatever. I just think it's, it's kind of a good thing to talk about, you know, kind of content creation 101, not just the magic cards. So speaking of just the magic cards and a good segue in, uh, M19 has come out and let's talk about some of the stories now that the paper is on the table. Let's, you know, greatest hits, greatest misses. You know, what, what, what were we wrong about? What were we right about? Let's talk about some, some M19 and possibly look forward to some Commander 18. Mm, so M19, um, I guess I'll start the limited format of it. I don't like sealed. Sealed, this set especially feels like if you don't get at least one or two bombs in your sealed pool, you're going to have a bad time. Um, and at least that's just been my experience. I've done sealed twice and it's it's just it doesn't feel fun it and i know sealed is a very skill intensive format where you can even open up crap and still do well it just feels like this set highlights if you don't open up something good you're gonna have a bad time with it and i do think the drafting is better than sealed of it and it feels you know a lot of fun like i just did a draft the other night and did three color what was it? Oh, I did three color Jund, dumb stuff, play big dumb creatures, and just wrecked face. And, <laughs> um, it was just a lot of fun. So um, I do think that drafting's better. I haven't played any standard with M19, so I can't really comment on that there. But the from what I've seen with the decks that are in standard right now, M19 is just really augmenting the current top tier decks with some drops here and there. And it feels like there's a lot of lack of power coming from this set to really help what's currently out there in the pool. Does, does but, this feel like an old uh, M set or what? Uh, core set? Does it feel? Does it play like uh, in draft like an old core set? Um, yes and no. Um, I feel like one of the things that this set is missing in draft is good color fixing, and mm -hmm. I know we mentioned that before. Right. Um. And it's very apparent, like, if you don't get a Manolith, if you don't get a Rupture Spire, or if you don't get one of the dual lands that may fit into one of your splash colors, um, it's going to be really hard to try to splash that third color. Um, so in some ways it does, but I feel like, like I said, the lack of color fixing makes it hard. And the lack of um, some good removal, too. I mean, there, there is Murder and Lightning Strike and Shock in it which are really good. Um, it just That's feels like removal. Yeah, it, it's really good. But some of it, of course, with two uncommons in there, it's going to be hard to find a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, and then it feels like there's in, especially in this format, there's a lot of clogged board states more so than ever, especially when with so many defenders out there too. So, um, yeah, the uh, and and for me, like I only played one sealed pool, so it was it was a weird pool because I got a bunch of crap rares for limited. I got omniscience. I got what's that one white spell that destroys a permanent at one CMC? Oh, I got, isolate. I isolate. I got an isolate. Like my rares just didn't fit, and I was looking yeah. through my pool, and I was like, oh, well, I went to red green. I was like, well, green's got beaters and daggerback basilisk, which did yeah. some work. And I had red with shocks and a lightning strike. I was like, I guess I'm going red green. The th I think the green is really good in this set. 
yeah there there was some power in there but it was like the the pool all my rares i wasn't blinded by my, by the rares in my pool because they yeah. were just like they weren't that great so i had to look at what i had left over and <clears throat> i think that's where you that was one of those things like they've got some really cool like you've got an elder drag you've got elder dragons and planeswalkers and i think that can distract people from it and if you don't mm -hmm. look carefully at the rest of your pool for sealed i think i got lucky with that just i was able to take out threats i got through really wide board states um i got lucky in one game some guy just couldn't get any swamps on the field so i just ran yeah. over him with that big dragon that does five damage if they don't sacrifice something and it was just basically like the one card that really did the most work was this arcane encyclopedia. It's what the jolly, you know, the J made oh, tome, yeah, the big yeah. version is J made tome. They brought everything down one better. cost. This one, yeah, this was a lot better. Three CMC and then a three, three mana activation cost did it. It was like, it's like I had a howling mind playing red green. It was awesome. So, you know, it, it can be really good. I did, it does feel more like a core set. Like it definitely it, it does. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like when, like, if anytime I did a pre-release with a core set, this this is feel is much more in that zone. For yeah, sure. I I think my biggest complaint, like I said, is the lack of color fixing and chromium or yeah, is it chromium? Am I saying chromium's it right? the Esper one? Yeah, yeah, he is broken. Holy shit! If he comes on the field, you're pretty much done if you can't figure out a way to wipe a board. I heard He's Bolus so is pretty broke. much that. I heard Bolus is just uh, you lose to Bolus pretty much right away. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Is Chromium busted just because it can go into an indestructible mode or, or hexproof mode? Yeah, it's one can't be countered, and then yeah, then you discard a card, it becomes a one-one that has hexproof. So you can't target removal with it. You have to pretty much make your opponent empty their hand. Oh, that's and, and then it just that's keeps so coming good. back at this seven seven flyer. So you know, that's you know, kind it's, of brutal. It's Ow. stupid. That's brutal. I mean, it's it's a really cool card if you have it, but when you're up against it, you're just like, yeah, that's stupid. That's really stupid. <laughs> I do love that mill is viable and limited, by the way. Holy shit, I love that it's viable. It is that's so... Awesome. I, I, yeah. heard there, I heard there's uh, talks that there's a maybe fringe viable mill standard uh, deck out there. I think nope. I've seen it, but I, I, I don't remember the list off the top of my head, though. I would standard love that for that to be a thing. That that would be enough for me to come off the bench and actually play standard. Oh, I I would because I've only got two standard decks right now: mono green, which is complete budget, just pretty much what I had laying around, and then I have Esper Control, but it's my man. It's it's, it, it's Lich Mastery Esper Control, so. Um, <laughs> It's it's extremely <laughs> slow though, so I've been kind of avoiding playing the control decks at FNM because I'm usually so tired by the time Friday night comes around that I just can't really concentrate on playing control. So I've been trying to stick with the more linear aggro mid range decks. Coach, so. have you had any experience yet with uh, the old M19? Not not really, but I'm like looking through it and just like I'm just seeing like duress and shock and like all the all the some of the more common cards coming out and just like trying to see what I could build around it. Cause I want to start building probably for next week. I want to start building like another budget deck, a budget deck on online. Um, while y'all were talking about that, I had, I had an idea for, um, I need to talk with y'all afterwards, but uh, something just popped in my head coming off y'all's conversation. So man, talk about M19, y'all giving me some ideas. I love it. <laughs> well, good. good. Oh, oh, I will say, 
that I probably had one of the best boxes of M19. Oh, nice. Um, I'm sure you saw my photo where I opened up what almost every single planeswalker except a Johnny in one box. Jesus. And then I opened Oh, up. I, I heard that's a thing. Wait, before real quick, I heard that's a thing that all the boxes there's there's something wrong with the the algorithms of the boxes and they're all opening the same way. Is that still a thing? No, or no, no. Cause I opened up another box and I got, <laughs> it was a trash fire box. Oh. Holy <laughs> shit. It was, it had three mythics and um, it, it, one of the mythics was at least crucible of Worlds, So I'll give it that. That's but sweet. the other two were garbage fire mythics. And, hmm. so. uh, yeah. Cause I think people were opening up like, I think it was Pilatus more, and then something else was the was the foil, and that hap that kept popping up on Twitter. I saw like people were opening boxes; they were getting I'm, that. There, that there's always back. that shit happening, but it's and it's such a small number of samples, so yeah, people like to freak out. But no, it's no, it's I had one really good box, and I'm getting some more boxes along the way. So probably like one or two more boxes I'll be getting, and then I'm calling it quits and saving my money for Ravnica. Going to go. try to get a case of Ravnica. Return to return to return to Ravnica. RTRTRTRTRTR. Ravnica three. That that should have been the pirate set. R. Ritter 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 Ritter. All right. Well, yeah. That's oh. So Commander, real quick, Commander eighteen. There hasn't been any. Not to my knowledge, there hasn't been any official spoilers. But someone is getting an official spoiler. Yes, that is me. I am wow. getting an official spoiler, and I will tell you. I'll, I'm going to tell you the card right now at mm. live. I'm going to tell you everybody what the Commander 2018 card that I get to spoil is a magic card. Oh, hot scoop! And <laughs> it is playable in a magic deck. Wow! You will find out more come this Monday on July 23rd. There you go. So it's with at least commanders. Yes, I know. I, that ask my wife about that. So, um, <laughs> so you just I, need to ask me about that. Yes, <laughs> she doesn't know. She's listening right now. Oh, sorry. Um, no, it's okay. <laughs> no, but so they did announce what the four decks are for Commander 2018. Um, one is is it the artifacts? Pretty much an artifacts matter deck, exquisite invention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll yeah. save the best for last. Um, okay, Jund, which is lands matter, nature's vengeance. Um, that sounds fun. Next is Esper, top of library matter, subjective reality. And then for the best for last is Bant. <laughs> Bant enchantments, adaptive enchantment. I'm sorry. And and for these are all these are all new decks, not like yeah. they're not re they're gonna save all the reprinting for the anthology series, right? Yes, well, there's yes. still gonna be reprints in them. them. Yeah, of, of course there's reprints in it, but yeah, these yeah. are all new decks, and they are gonna make some new planeswalker commanders in it as well, too. Right. Which I'm but not about. as the commanders. That see, that's interesting because that's <laughs> what I think held back that cycle of commander decks when they did the planeswalkers. Uh, it was because it's they were all monocolored. But I think that's great that we're gonna have uh, planeswalkers that are just in part of the ninety nine that now you could also transfer over. So I think that's great. Yeah, I, I don't know if the planeswalkers are gonna be the face card of each deck. But they did mention that planeswalkers are gonna they, they are gonna make planeswalkers as commanders in, in this set though. Okay. So I, we'll find out Monday if it is gonna be the face card or not. How long till it says ret retconned rule wise, uh, or eroded rather, that they just do that anyways? I wouldn't be surprised, especially they're doing it with Brawl right now. I really wouldn't be surprised. And it would make for some interesting brewing at that point too. 
I um, think so. it, it would open up the game wide open at that point. I, I think that they're probably trying to cash in this last uh, gimmick, maybe of of not having all of them eroded that way. Maybe they're like, "Hey, yeah. more well, more like this, and these can be." And then, like a month later, "Hey, you can play with all the planeswalkers as as commanders." Yeah, the well, there's also the rules committee that they have to follow because Watsi doesn't control the rules of the game, and I'm sure they're really wanting to <laughs> eventually. Um, yeah, you can hear my cat in the background right now. That's she's, a cat. Yeah, she, oh my she's. God. She's looking for someone to give her some loving, but I'm not going to give it to her. I'll but, um, it to her. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if one year Watsy says, screw you, Sheldon, and we're taking it over. Yeah. Because that, Commander's quickly becoming their most profitable format. Yep. Or at least that's what I like to think because it's, it's becoming more and more popular every year. It, it's the casual, easiest format to access and. Yep. Like you only need one copy of whatever you're getting. If you just want to build one deck, you just need one copy of a card. And of yeah. course, and, and these precons they release are so good as a as a starting off point. And pl and the best yeah. thing is they don't rotate. It doesn't rotate. And and that's what people want. They want their investment to last. Yeah. That's why it's good. When you guys are burning EDH decks, do you do you like put on some music or put on like a TV show? And does that affect your brewing while you're doing it? I probably I, I listen to something in the back, so I usually I have that X I have my Xbox and TV, and while I'm doing something on the computer or like writing in the notebook, I'll have something in the back, like you know, not necessarily music, but I usually have YouTube running with just kind of whatever whatever I'm feeling that day. Nice. I, I brew in absolute silence, usually when everyone's <laughs> asleep, hiding from my family so they don't know what I'm actually doing down here. <laughs> I have been so lazy about brewing and building decks. Like I have um, the mono black zombie deck I need to build, and I have the card. I'm looking at a pile of cards right now, but I'm so lazy to go look for the rest. And. It's usually what I'll do is I'll put on Netflix or Amazon Prime or something and just put on a show that I don't give two shits about hmm. and just let it run while I'm looking for cards. But black has always been my favorite cover uh, cover color. I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. Oh, I'm drinking a giant beer. Uh, I don't know what's uh, black is my favorite color for magic, especially in EDH. But after a while, the black decks just kind of build themselves. Uh, I think white and like green and red uh, and even blue to a certain extent could you have some opportunity to go a couple different routes. It's like, yeah, blue yeah. is like a lot of card draw, of course. And, and red is red's a red's a, a hard uh mountain to climb any uh mountain to climb anyways just ah, pun uh, intended. <laughs> uh just because it's so non-conducive to a multiplayer format i think red is just so good at 1v1 style so that's why it's so much challenge it's so much more of a challenge to brew edh with sometimes, it sometimes yeah yeah but, uh, but but black is just like it's like okay you have x amount of cards that are just auto includes and then it's like okay i'm gonna be a contrarian or i'm gonna try to be cute and not not put those in but then while you're playing the game you're wishing you had whatever you know you you're wishing you had your your demonic tutor or whatever and it, it just kind of sucks so I, I black was i think that that kind of lends to black being so uh diversified as far as what they allowed black to do in the early days of magic and so yeah. 
you just have that in your toolbox when you're brewing EDH. Yeah, it's I'm slowly trying to do the 32 deck challenge with EDH where you have one of each color and it's I'm not anywhere near there. So that's a long road. I've yeah. got, um, one, I think I've got like seven or eight EDH decks right now, but Damn. or nine. I don't know. I, I did take a, I did take apart my banding and phasing deck finally. Oh no! Well, I mean, it's so terrible. It's oh, yeah. bad. <laughs> it's okay. Of, you know what? I, 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 I had inspect out of yeah. the white deck I was talking about last week. So yeah, Jury mm -hmm. took that apart. No, no, I got oh. there. The combo went off. It was great. I milled everyone out, and I was like, I win! Yay! <laughs> and then uh, I was like, there are so many better cards to put in place of these infect creatures. I should fix that. So it seems like Zuby's deck is. Wait for it. Phasing out. Oh. Oh. Now, you see, I could make it better, but oh. I was giving myself the limits of don't use any card uh, after um, was what was the set right before 8th edition. Just all the old frames and borders. So I could make it better. It's just I decided not to. See, that that's what you have to do when you're doing mono black because they just basically build themselves, but... Um, I mean, I'm not complaining because Black has such a, a powerful uh, catalog as far as EDH goes. But let's uh, let's kind of move on a little bit. Uh, I this can talk one, EDH all night. I mean, that's fine. We could we could just be a very unpopular EDH podcast uh, because and, that, that <laughs> well, well, we could just talk EDH and limited and some standard. I'm good. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but Johnny Slivers wants to discuss the new policy changes on alcohol and events at uh, age-restricted events. I'd say, Johnny Slivers, uh, you kick it off, sir, but, I mean, I think we all kind of have our our thoughts on that about alcohol and magic. <laughs> so, so, yeah. No I, alcohol. I went, there's, a, there's a few little topics that came up in the last week, and one of them was this change in their alcohol policy. Now, for the longest time, Wizards of the Coast was not allowing any consumption or selling of alcohol at events, period. So you couldn't have... Like you just you couldn't have it, I guess, on site or it was one of those things where you couldn't have it at a bar. Now, you still can't have it at a bar. They're kind of specifying that here, but you can have alcoholic beverage on site. You can have it at the table playing games. So let's say you hire in a catering service or if it's a restaurant, I imagine like here in Vermont, most bars have to have some kind of food available as part of the state law. So a lot of places are brew pubs. So it's not just a straight bar. It's a restaurant, that kind of situation. So there's you're going to see this new experimentation with the idea of how do we incorporate something like a 21 plus for this kind of an event. And that's the thing. They, they made this so you could also have another age restriction policy for another event where you can have 16 and under kind of examples. So I think these are both really interesting changes in their policy for the game. I think it opens up a lot of opportunities for TOs to do different things for different groups of people. I think the one where you can actually have an age restriction for an event for youth players i think that's a huge boom to the game i think that's going to help a lot because you know you go to fnm and you've got I don't, I don't know about anybody else but any of the stores i've been to any fnm i've gone to there's always like four to six people who are really going for that competitive grind they're they're trying to win they're always winning like the same four people win the same top four every week after week 
and new players, younger players who don't have jobs, who are like they can't get they are not old enough to get to work or take take up a job. They don't have the same opportunities as these players who are in, you know, 18 and up and have a job and disposable income and few responsibilities. And they just dump their cash into magic. So there's this disconnect in experience and opportunity for playing the game and doing this is a great way to give these younger players a chance to kind of play with their resources and not get blown out by somebody who just bought the most expensive deck. Yeah. Coach, do you have anything caveat? Like, that? Yeah. Going off of like what Johnny was saying, it's like, what does it remind you of? Like probably like the junior leagues, maybe where they do yeah. have that eight, that like age Pokemon. Yeah. Well, even Magic used to have a, a junior league. That's yeah, how um, yeah, the very beginning what's started. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was. I think it was hell of an hell of an idea because um, now we can finally like fix some alcohol beverages. <coughs> uh oh, we're we getting a spoiler. What's in that mystery cup? No, I mean not yet. <laughs> Not until he's vomiting it. Oh, this the, isn't the water. Webcam. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's with with with, with all this. Like the adults can drink, separate divisions, and just go at it. And just you know, I think it, I think it's a great split. I think it was a great idea on on Watsy's part. For, yeah. From a father perspective, I'm kind of okay with this because. I'm actually really okay with this because I think there should be some kind of a junior league because we all we've all been in the trenches and we've we've kind of seen and and talked the language and heard the language and and just a lot of stuff that goes on in a magic tournament and when when you are when you know that there are kind of younger people around or you know younger influential people around I always it always kind of takes me out of it a little bit. I'm not saying that we should be completely separated um, because that's not that's not the case. But I think that it's I think that it's a good idea to be able to be an adult at these things because magic. Yes, it's a, a child's game, but uh, you know that's what it's supposed to be. But it's it's not. Um, I, I think that's that's a great idea to have more of an adult atmosphere for that kind of a thing. However, you know, those those big events, um, those big venue events like GPs and everything, that's still going to be no alcohol, correct? Yeah, uh, I think so. Well, I, I think that's going to be up to – I, I get the impression <clears throat> from the article this is really going to be up to the TOs. I highly doubt if you go to a GP and you're playing in the main event, I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of players wanting a pint of beer next to their – Three thousand dollar modern deck because well, I do. If I'm playing you at a GP, get sloshed as slosh as you want. I'm just saying. The what if that makes you a better there, player? Well, you know, <laughs> if makes if, me a better player. If down on a pint every round makes you a better player, sure. But I, you know, the tos there might be sections at a GP like the main event. I could That's see why that you have being an alcohol. I can hey. see that being an alcohol-free zone just because you have a mix of so many different ages and you've got to worry about whatever the state regulations are at the time. This this alcohol policy, this is for commander players, straight up. You go to the commander tables at a GP, you're going to see pints everywhere, and it's going to be hilarious. The games hey, are going to be funnier, and the like. The misplays are going to be funnier, but it's going to be like, I, th I think that's really where this fits. And then the junior leagues is where I think the junior leagues are a great way to keep the game from being fun for younger players. Well, just to put it, we'd, we'd, we'd talk about like your $3,000 modern deck. I mean, the, the best way to solve that issue is just you know, take take one of those hiking camelbacks and just stuff that bad boy full of 
all kinds of <laughs> Pilsner tastes. Crown right. Royal, have, apparently. Coke and rum. <laughs> I mean, you're, I mean, in a pouch like that, that's what, like a, you know, like a gallon, you know, some of them that make, I mean, uh, that's like $400 worth of crown just in your, just in your backpack. I mean, oh, that, that's, not a, that's, <laughs> not a, that's not a bad idea at all. Hey. Temp Temporal Magic in the chat says, here's a 21 and over game uh, for Magic. Every time you lose a game, take a shot. I would be totally okay with that. I would be flat out. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to die of alcohol poisoning. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I mean. It happens. You you'll go to the graveyard. You won't be exiled. I mean, just, it's fine. You could always come back. <laughs> and then you get a well, sick, sexy necromancer to resurrect you. That's right. Uh, what 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 is and what it's was Lindul. his name? Lim Oh, yeah, Lim Duel. You do mm -hmm. like those silver foxes? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, you never uh, heard of the term silver fox? No, I'm not from Washington, so I don't know this not, stuff. Neither am I. Um, all right. <laughs> or from <laughs> freaky older, older older women, older women. Well, it's actually older man. Oh, oh my goodness, silver uh, fox. You're older than, I, I think what's, you are older what's than even me, happening? John, so, yeah. That joke fell I... flatter than a pancake. All right, moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about the MTV. Uh, MTG, MTV. Let's talk you about MTV. Slosh, bro. <laughs> Why am I in charge of this? <laughs> You know let's what, Johnny? Let's let's see if we can help you out here with this. I think you bit. just need to take a step back with the content creation and just kind of look at your life a little bit more. I'm just saying. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> no, we don't want to invoke know. that bastard. We want, all right, so let's let's uh, next topic well, point we got here. Lovers. I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> All right, you took you go take a nap. This one this one piqued my interest because naturally I, I'd love to see the reserve reserve list go away. But there was an article on Goldfish, and it was by let me get this straight. Scott Pietzer. He his the uh, Scott. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the last name. Um, what he's is not it? listening. Booze? Don't worry. Uh, I, no, he's not listening. I know. He uh, might be I one of a, the nine. I had a whole conversation with him. Let me go to my followers. Followed with the account yeah, is the booze with him. No, no, no. The Did just a chat oral conversation. Seriously, guys. Seriously. <laughs> I love you. So it's the it's at the booze cube on Twitter. Uh, he wrote an article about what the reserve list is legally speaking and how it's considered a promissory estoppel versus an actual contract. And if you go to Goldfish and check out the article, there, it's, there's a lot of legal speak behind it. And I had a little back and forth of him asking him some questions about this. And the idea was there's this promise by wizards to not reprint these cards on the reserve list, but it's not the same as a contract because there's no agreement between the players and the company. Like if we don't reprint these cards, you'll continue to buy the packs. And then there's like, there's an agreement. They call it a there's like meeting of the minds and, and all this stuff that would make it a contract. And there's that doesn't exist when it comes to the reserve list. The promissory estoppel has to do with they made a promise and it compelled people to change their purchasing habits or their activity. And because of that, there's potential for damages. Now, as I read through this article, it's really interesting. The one big point that comes out of this for me is this reserve list rests on the discretion of a judge. If at any point, either Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro said, screw it, we're reprinting the reserve list. There could be a class action lawsuit against them by the players who have collections of these cards. And then it is ultimately up to the judge, depending on which state they're in, what the, rule, what the laws are, to determine what the value of these cards are. 
or whether or not they have any value at all. And, you know, the judge, if this came to a court case, it, it's my impression is it could come down to a judge looking at the players and being like, these are pieces of cardboard. They're not stocks and bonds. Why are you here? That makes, in my mind, the reserve list pretty risky. Just kind of like, you know, you're you're counting on somebody who has nothing to do with this game to decide whether or not your cards have value. That's really that was an interesting piece out of this article for me. I don't know if any of you guys get a chance to go through it. Check it out. Um, I checked it out when it first came out because this came out a while ago, and um, right, didn't it? Uh, with I thought it was in the last week. Oh, oh, this is a different one then. Okay, no, I haven't read this one. I thought this was a different article because I remember they, or I read something, some talking about promissory or prom, prom yeah, Prom see, I promissory, can't Pro promissory. <laughs> Yeah. Does we need to go into timeout now? The drunk guy. Yeah. <laughs> the drunk guy from the water. <laughs> um no, but it is um it's pretty interesting and it's something that I would love to see play out though. Like, hey, let's say wizard. I mean, the only time they're ever gonna try to end the reserved list is when they're on their very last knees. Yeah. And you know, well, the, the other question I asked Scott when I got a hold of him on Twitter, the question I asked him was like, what happens if the rights to develop, manufacture, match at the gathering go off to another company? Like completely separate from Wizards, none of the people who are even involved in this decision are tied to the physical product anymore. What happens there? And apparently there are some grounds for that same promissory estoppel staying with the product wherever it goes but it's wow seems, that's crazy yeah but that's it but even scott said that's there's some there's there's shaky ground on that like it's just seems odd to me and if say for instance would it be a whole new company it'd be a whole new company and it seems weird to me like it just does, it seems like all of a sudden a company made a promise but then it promised travels with the brand and now the brand keeps the promise and it seems weird it feels weird to me i can't imagine it just doesn't add up in my head. And I'm not a lawyer and I don't know any of the legalese behind this, but that seems weird. And the idea, the one thing that could end it, if for, not that this will happen, but if Wizards and Hasbro just suddenly went bankrupt overnight, it's gone. Like that promise is over. And that's, I'm just wondering if, I'm, I'm just wondering to see what happens when this company, this is a side note to this, you know, that whole thing with Time Warner AT&T merger where the judge court, yeah. the court case ruled oh, yeah. in their favor, Department of Justice just put an appeal for that. So this makes things really weird for mergers, too. This is one little story that I've been kind of keeping a little keeping an eye on on the side. Mm -hmm. And two things happen here. If if this appeal actually goes through and it overturns what the judge said, this changes how mergers happen. If two big companies get together, if that appeal actually works, that means there's a chance that companies will have to sell off assets to you know avoid to taking up too much shares of the market or to, to avoid like antitrust laws, that kind of stuff that could change how businesses handle when it comes to mergers. However, if the appeal does not work and this court case is still upheld, that solidifies it even more, which means companies going in for mergers going to go with more gusto. They're not going to worry about the courts as much. It could change a lot of things. And if more companies are gobbling up other businesses, the bigger fish are going to eat the smaller fish. And if Hasbro becomes a target, that will be very interesting. And that's why I'm wondering what's going to happen with this. What happens when a bigger company than Hasbro goes in, buys them up and says, we're dissolving you both. What's this promissory estoppel? No, we don't I, want it. I.E. Disney. 
yeah, i.e. Disney or whoever else. Like it, it's just it it's interesting to see like we've known this reserve list the whole life of the game, and then to see kind of the interior legalese behind it to find out that some of it's actually shaky when it comes to an actual court case. This is interesting. I'm interested to see where this goes in the next 10 years because I can see weird stuff happening with big corporations buying each other up. Who, who's really mad about a reserve list going away? What is the actual what is the actual fallout of this? You, so so that's interesting you say that because I've asked a lot of store owners that yeah. have you know a lot of reserve list cards like duels and um, power nine and stuff like that and they feel and i don't know how true this would be they feel that they would be losing a lot of value now it's i saw i think it was somewhere on reddit or somewhere where um they talk about baseball cards how yeah. there's a lot of original printing baseball cards even today still hold their value but those same cards that have been reprinted you know are worth like pennies so that would almost you'd almost have to assume okay following that logic if they reprinted black lotus the originals would still hold their value yes they'd probably go down in price but they would still hold their value because they're collector's items people mm -hmm. want the originals no one wants the crappy new bordered black lotus it's gross ew you know yeah it, it, I, I just think it's just bullshit i mean it's just like every market that you're in like if you own a home it has the tendency to skyrocket one day and the next day yeah. it drops completely. So I don't think that magic should be this sacred holy thing, even though it was on the back of this, this kind of fake handshake promise to the community. It's just, yeah, just give it to the people. Like, uh, and, and I don't know. No. And you know, what's interesting is the fakes coming out of China are getting better and better and yeah. better. Now, they're, they haven't been able to pass the RIP test, but there's a lot of them that have claimed that they can pass the light test and the bend test now. Now, of course, you can still hold up the little, you know, loop and be able to see the different, you know, printing patterns. But if you double sleeve that bad boy, who's going to really take a look and notice, yeah. right? Especially with dual lands, because it's there's processes you can take to you buy a fake card, like fake duels and all that stuff. Obviously, you want to go white bordered because black bordered looks a little bit more suspicious. So... You buy those white border duels and you just leave them out in the sun for a couple days. Who's going to know the difference, you know? And yeah. it's fa fakes are just getting better at every day as it goes on. And it's going to get to a point where you're not going to be able to tell, you know, the average person won't be able to tell a real from a fake. But then, you know, it's the question of how many times I, I think we're. We're also looking at, I think Wizards may be also eventually undermining Legacy overall by going into the cards that are not on the reserve list and getting those reprinted into Modern. So you've got, what was that? That Scepter in M19, that's from pre-Modern, but it's not on the Which reserve one? list. Uh, the one that gives you extra turns. You get the tokens, oh, like okay, a okay. Yeah. that thing. What so, you know. Like Magister Scepter or something? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. It's from yeah. Uh, Mercadian Mask, I think. Yeah, no. so so they went further back. They went past modern and brought that into the realm of modern. So I could see something like trying to undermine the legacy format by bringing some older cards back into the fray, back into the fold for something like modern. Um, I yeah, because legacy doesn't make a money. Well, no, nothing past standard makes the money, and commander makes the money because they can make a sealed product twice a year. Yeah. And people will buy it like they put Atraxa in that that anthologies deck and it sold because Atraxa is worth the money so you were mad you managed to sell four decks because everybody wanted the one deck 
and there's your sealed product. Anything they can make money on for sealed product, that's what they're going to do. But I think uh, I know every time I talk about Rudy, I lose a follower, it seems. But <laughs> wow. Rudy had a video out recently. He was talking about supply and they opened the floodgates on Dominaria. And now the EV is something like $66. Just you can get them for 66. That was holding at 100 and what, 10, 115 from pre-release week to like the regular stock, like out in print mode. So for yeah. a full month or two, it was holding its value. And now they just opened up supply. And it's we're awash in Dominaria on right on the cusp of M19, so nobody's really paying attention to it. I think Rudy had some good points in that video. So in that was interesting. Like I went looking at Hasbro stock, we saw this kind of bump, and then it went into this dip, kind of getting into M19. I think Battlebond and Dominaria did give Hasbro a boost, but I mean, it seems like it's just kind of floundering in the 90s. And oh. uh, yeah, Coach, you got you got anything? Well, it, it's just like with the reserve list, like you're saying the sacred cards, it's like, you know, I'm probably the one that started the latest out of this group. You know, I started in cons and it's like Rookie. looking at, you, you know, looking at some of the older cards, like doing the anthology series is like, man, I wish I could play with like some of these cards in paper. And, and you know, every now and then you could play some of these cards on like online since they're so much cheaper. But it's like, man, I wish I could play like paper copies of, you know these bad boys like you know all, you know alpha beta where like a lot of these by, by the Especially older players dual lands. they're so yeah, cheap on magic yeah yeah like dual lands i mean there's just like man i wish i had like a paper copy of this and or was able to play like certain deck styles like i don't know like the the first like the first world champion deck ban um where one world's 1994 and i mean just the cards that were in there like you know in that deck like you know they had like the moxins and the the dual lands and like icy manipulator winter orb uh just all these ridiculously cool cards it's like man i wish you know i could go have gone back to that time and just play with some of that so i don't know they need i i think also i i too also think they need to get rid of the reserve list and just like John said, give it back to the people. You know, let I, you know for like the younger players, people who haven't been in that long, let them have the opportunity to like play with stuff that. Yeah, but they're the going to piss off a lot of sellers though. Yeah, when they do that, and that's yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, yeah, but but it brings it, but it it also strengthens your community, your overall playing community. I think Wizards would want this more than anybody because it, the you know vintage and legacy paper magic has been such a good old boys club for so long because no one could, you know, only a finite amount of cards were printed and they couldn't be printed again. So you have same old, same old showing up to your events. And if you, this is mm -hmm. just an uncapped, th this is like, especially with Dominaria and everything that's been going on lately, this is the time for nostalgia and talk about nostalgia. Hey, the reserve list is gone. Here's the floodgates. Go fucking play legacy. You know, it's just like it's one of those things that has just been and, and maybe they've known this all the time. Maybe this is something that they've been planning for the right time to do, because I just it's just utter bullshit that to think that this is never going to happen. It just is. And like Zuby is, you know, joked and said on the show numerous times, it's it, they're going to do it when that's that's the panic button. That's the that's the red nuke button. Right. It's just like, yeah. oh, we're, we're in the shits. Reserve list is gone. Boom. Everyone go buy magic again. And it's just like, I, I think that's sooner than later. And I don't think it's going to be as it, it's needed to be as dire of straits to do it. But I just think that 
the company, especially the company now, because the company, when the reserve list happened, it wasn't Hasbro. It was just Wizards of the Coast. Hasbro is a company that doesn't care about you, me, or anyone else. They care about numbers and spreadsheets. And I've worked yep. for companies like that, and they need numbers and spreadsheets. And the second they see a loss, a loss, I'm not talking about a huge loss. I'm just saying not growth. Um, the second that, that magic isn't in the black, that's going to be the first easy fix, the first thing to go. So don't, I mean, sellers, yeah, all this stuff is horrible, but just get ready for it. I mean, because it's going to happen and it's not going to be an I told you so moment because you should have been planning on this for the entire time. That or there's there's just as something as simple as, you know, they're, they made a new format brawl they're doing this this one singleton format for standard so adding more formats doing something like a living card game with reserve list cards in it new art new style of card even a new backing on it you can just make it so like the cards can't be played in tournament play but put it in like this box set where you can have a draft and build all these decks with these awesome cards you got people making proxy cubes left and right all over the place you go on anywhere on you can go all over the place on social media and five people find people making these proxies for their cubes I mean, they could sell a cube product that'd be like this premium product with all these power cards that are on the reserve list, and then it's the sealed product and make it painfully clear that these are not original cards that cannot be played in a tournament. Done. Done. It's settled. You're not you're not violating a reprint policy, I don't think. And people get to play with the cool old stuff. That's what's coming down what it's come down to. Like and I've I even went into a couple weeks ago. I should I was not prepared for the last show. So that's a nice pussy. What? Yes, it is. This is the the cat. I was like, "What the heck? so much noise right now?" <laughs> oh my baby! Johnny <laughs> said, "What? I, what did you call me?" His sentence, and John's like, "That's a nice pussy." Like, what's going on around here? Oh, okay. Subi and his cat. All right. Sorry. Where was I? Oh, I posed a question on Twitter. I asked the question: Would you play a reserveless free variant of Commander? And I managed to. I, it says I got 99 votes, but it only shows 96. So I'm going to say 57 to 58 per people, percent of the people who did respond said yes. They go for a reserveless free variant. And then there's a, like 22% are maybe on that. Uh, honestly, I think that would be the great testing ground to like just as, as consumers, as just players, get rid of the reserve list ourselves and just not worry about those kind of like people will voluntarily not brew with soul ring in their edh deck just get rid what? of the reserve list yeah <laughs> how we'll dare you again, of course but <laughs> yeah you, there are people who in their in their edh groups like they ban certain cards soul rings out so nobody's getting this that's fast, ridiculous. like turn one to turn three moot what is it turn one winter orb that's lots of fun for edh so, yeah it is why not <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think Don't if you look good. at the if you look at a format like EDH, you could experiment with something like a variant on the format where you have classic EDH, then you have non-reserve list EDH, then you can have like brawl. You can have different levels. I compared it to Mario Kart. Like you have the different levels of Mario Kart. There's the practice, the 50 CC, the 100 CC, the 150 CC, and then expert. So you can different variations within a format. I think that's a great way to go. I think that's, I think players will be up for that. Tasty Snackies totally agrees with you. He says, hashtag no solar ring, hashtag unstaple your deck. But it's just like, no. here, you, you heard it here first. And, and Watsy, this one's free. Uh, reserve list masters. Cyclonic Rift is fine. 
<laughs> Jesus oh, Christ, man. The card is so rude. I'm sorry. Oh, who? I, so what? It's magic. It's like Arm Armageddon is fine too. Did Did you Ooh. see the picture? It was, oh my God! There was a picture up recently. It was. It looked like something that Norman Rockwell should have painted. It's Professor Cube April and these two other people. Someone cast reserve the cast the reserve list, cast a cyclonic rift, and it's just like this this great picture of all these things happening at the same time so much thing so much being explained in this picture it's like that needs to be a painting that was a fantastic picture i don't know if anyone yeah, else but, it's been it's been out no, for a few weeks now no but i hate when people say oh when you get rid of cyclonic roof like no it's fine it's fine it's called I, counter or get you know stop being bad at the game i miss or, profit, yeah. a profit of crufix man that was in every deck that was freaking broken. That was in my Orzhov decks. <laughs> <laughs> that was a broken card. Oh, snap. All right. Uh, well, next on the docket, uh, it says uh, Zuby Topic. You got something, buddy? Um, <laughs> this is how the sausage is made, folks. Yeah, I mean, man, I can, I can talk about Magic Arena. I played a bunch today. Okay, let's do it. Um, yeah. I will say that I do. I gotta give it to Wizards. It's I've been in the beta since November, and they have made a lot of quality of life changes within the gameplay of it. Um, it feels like they're finally getting the the starts and stops right with each um, phase as you're going to now. Because in the beginning, when you were first playing, it was so confusing when um. You know, if there was like two instants on the stack or something like that, it would just be like, okay, what are you targeting? Or sometimes it would just resolve too fast and you wouldn't have a chance to even see what the hell just happened. Right. Because, you know, even me as a veteran magic player, I would get really confused during that. And then a lot of times you would try to exert a creature and it wouldn't exert and then you'd end up losing the game too. So they've made a lot of good fixes and bugs that they're getting, they're getting. Um, they're getting there. They're getting along. I think it. I wouldn't be surprised if this releases the same time that Ravnica comes out. Um, you know, officially releases, and um, it's. I don't. I, I'm pretty impressed. I still don't like how the draft is just with AIs and computers. But I mean, if that's all they're gonna have, I mean, that sucks because I I was hoping for something for a cheap draft and. If it's just going to be against computers, then I may stick with Magic Online with that. But as far as just playing, you know, maybe a cheap standard deck or something, and and by cheap I mean just whatever cards they give you, and you try to grind that, and then you know it could be a fun little game, especially for people who, you know, sort of like Magic Duels. It's a good introductory to Magic, and um, it'll teach you a lot of the basics, and plus for something that's free. It's going to, I think it's going to be just fine. Yeah. A, lo a lot of my opinions have changed with Arena, after, especially after today. I am still Arena list, so I cannot comment yay or nay on this. Anyone else? I, uh, I, I got you a beta code if you want one. Oh, can I run it on a Chromebook? Nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me then. No, no, Magic Arena, still PC only. Fuck me then. All right. Uh, well, yeah, the, the, the good OS. They're, and they're what is it? They're on a platform that can cross the operating systems. Okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I had a podcast about this. All right, their their digital department. I know. If, I, if I, you I heard it. if you've ever read um, like any kind of articles from the 
the technical staff of Watsi, you realize that they are severely underfunded and they are severely um, understaffed. Uh, no, not understaffed. It's um, they don't have the right resources. Sure. To be able to, I mean, just look at Magic Online. Uh, one programmer for the game said that the program, the coding for Magic Online is more complex than NASA. That means you have bad code. All right. I, I don't delve too deep into coding in my job, but I do know some things about coding. And if your coding is too complex for even NASA to understand, you're doing something wrong as a coder. Or it's but, just out of date, right? Well, no, no, it's not only that, but it's also they probably don't have time to go in and clean stuff up because they're having to constantly release sets at the same time as well, too. Kind of the, like that. I mean, flame yeah, button. they are, but the the online people should have their own team and their own set nope. of people. So no, nope. it's all it's all one team for well, Magic that's, Online. That's fucking stupid, then. Oh, because they don't pay enough. I mean, have you ever looked up job reviews on Watsi? Yes. That sounds yeah. like a terrible place to work at. The glass yeah, door is very. Yeah, if you if you don't work in R and D for either D and D or Magic, <laughs> that sounds terrible place. I to heard work even at. the R and D people are are. are critically over or underpaid and all I, I don't want to get into it too much so they are but it's you know it sounds like probably the least the least worst department i guess sure sure <laughs> well, well I, I, I mean they're still they've been operating on this this whole i think for the longest time they may still be doing it. i know part of the compensation is getting free product like they're yeah. they have people who love this game who who dream of working at wizards and they there are so many people who are willing to work for Lower yeah. wages and free product. That, I I bet that product is taxed. I bet that goes on their paycheck. But that, even then, it's like they're. They that, that's how fucked up that is. But the thing <laughs> is, like, you. I think what is it? Glassdoor has that whole like they have a whole bunch of reviews on all these different companies, and it's yeah. just it seems like there's this repetitive thing that keeps coming up, and their business model is this paying. Like I've heard about it. Like people interviewing, like you want to pay me what? No, but that's, no. but that's not that's common the the to interview. game companies, though. It's very common. To, to a lot of gaming companies out there. So no, not, they, they uh, not just Wizards. Man. I thought yeah, there was... Yeah, I thought like Blizzard pick. Go, sorry, go talk to a Kibler or a Conley Woods and they get compensated very well for doing what they do. Let's say, for comparison's sake, like, when we say underpaid, like, what are we talking about? Like, or is there figures that we could, like, look at to well, kind it, of... Well, it I should be know. a tech job. You know, it should be comparable to a regular tech job, in my opinion. If you're... I, I don't know what the salaries are like up in Washington, especially it's, Seattle. It's it's higher than the rest of the country, but it's still not... But is it cost of living really high up there, that, too? And, and that's what I... Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's just, like, the, the cost of living up here is astronomical, Yes, the the minimum wage and the middle wage and the top wage are are also fairly larger than the rest of the country, but it still doesn't add up. It still doesn't meet that thing, at least in some fields. I mean, there's if if you're working for Microsoft, Boeing, or Amazon up here or Panasonic, um, then then you're doing just fine. You could afford to to shop at a grocery store but if you're doing anything else uh and, and that go that also goes for tech industry if you're really doing anything else you're struggling um and i'm living that life so i could kind of speak to that that's why i like living in corpus because the you know the cost of living the standard of living is just like so much so much lower like you know if yeah, me, me and grace too. yeah if me and grace ever get like if we you know, I know she wants to start up her own practice with when she gets her 
master's in psychology, you know, with a few years of experience, I mean, that might be the thing that gets me out of teaching to help manage her practice. And, you know, she might be making a crap ton of money. And, you know, in Texas, you could buy land almost anywhere. So, I mean, yeah, like land, land prices are just ridiculous. <clears throat> like, it, it's not uncommon for like my students and their families. Like I had a kid come in and brag about that in Alice, which is about 30 minutes away from here, their family, you know, spent like, I don't know how much money exactly, but they spent, they, they spent money to get 2000 acres of farmland. 2000, <laughs> yeah. two, two, not, not two to like build a house on and have some decent room. 2000, like just to have it. It, it, Can you think of the fucking upkeep of that though? God. Well, and it's yeah. and they 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 will, I, and it's one of my younger students. Like he he's like young for his grade, and it's just like they're they're probably gonna most likely use it for like hunting purposes, or I mean, it's just a huge ranch, and they or they could like literally do whatever they want with it. But two thousand acres of land, just to give you a comparison for some of you who don't know exactly know what an acre is. That's roughly about 70 yards by 70 yards, give or take. Like, so if you go to the football field and go to the, the, the goal line, you go to the opposite 30 and then do that on the other side. And that's one yeah. acre. And there's yeah. 2,000. So, I mean, land prices here are so much cheaper. Business. Yeah. You know, Florida, business. Florida's cheap too, because you can get a job for $40,000 a year and, you know, make a decent living off that. You know, and well, I know, in, I know in some places it's like, that's pretty much a minimum wage. You can't live on that. Well, like my second, second year of teaching, like, you know, for like a teacher salary or coach salary, And this was at the, one of the lower paying schools in the area. I could, you know, afford a house in a pretty good neighborhood. And that's just like, you know, go to the grocery store and nothing's like astronomically insane. You know, there's just, there's just a, a, like, wow economically texas doesn't have a lot of problems you know I, the, the the problems that we experience are like social or like government stuff like you know ha, not ha, people not having certain rights like like to use like certain bathrooms like what happened last year and the year before or you know it's more social issues but e economically and i guess that's why people like texas so much is that they there's it's an economic staple businesses like go in there because there's no uh there's no state income tax and texas is a huge promoter like just a couple couple years ago dallas was one of the, is now holding an amazon warehouse from what i understood and from what people were telling me so does yeah, san antonio I, I, I saw it when i was over there yeah it's just like it, it's just you know texas is, texas is big with oh, shit business. i saw that too yeah. yeah and it's just like you know i i I like living here because it's affordable to live here. And, uh, you know, you know, once I have grace coming into the picture, you know, we'll be, we'll be in a lot better position than most people in the country, like by far. Sure. And, and, and the combination with, you know, two incomes and the low cost of living. I mean, we could do so much with, with that. So if she wanted to start her own business or if I wanted to start mine and get out of teaching, I, I mean, I, th I think that'd be possible within about five years. So I, it's just awesome living in Texas for economically, I would say. Keep rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
It's so awesome for Texas. Zuby's just mad because you get all the bad weather and it's not as affordable. <laughs> yeah. God. Hey, so, we only get hurt. Hey, Texas gets hurricanes too, so don't get it twisted. Yeah, all right. Fine, fine. All right, so uh, let's focus up a little bit and segue back to Coach. You have, uh, you know, kind of going back into the whole magics, you've undertaken a kind of a crazy project and you released the first video um, and, and I just want to personally say that I think it's, you know, you and I have been at this for, I think a little, I, I've been at it a little less than you have. I think you're at what, maybe two years. I'm at about a year and a half, but you know, I, I've known you since pretty much day one of my whole YouTube oh, yeah. thing, right? Uh, you were the first person to contact me and we've stayed friends ever since. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. And you, this video that you put out, the first one of the of the top 100, I think is your is your crispest, cleanest, slickest video. Um, tell me, tell us all why you decided to do this, and you know what what uh why do you hate life? Why do you want to? <laughs> why do you love statistics so much? Because How much of that beer are you into? Well, I'm just saying, like it, it's just so fit. He makes he makes like hard facts. So fucking interesting, uh, interesting, interesting. I have a mouthful of cotton, apparently. Uh, so That's interesting. Not the only thing you got a mouthful. Of. Hey! Oh, oh hey, forget about it. it uh, oh. <laughs> it's just so cool. Like I, I just, <sighs> you know, like things that you didn't think that were going to be entertaining. Um, if you said like I want to see a, a magic video about statistics, it's like okay, I'll take a nap and I'll and I'll go through. But Coach makes it like eye candy and it's like an eyegasm it's it's great so tell us <laughs> tell us all about uh your new project sir well besides hating life i mean it was <laughs> you know like look you know hold on tasty snacks just said he's gonna clip me fuck <laughs> I forgot he was in the chat. <laughs> so Damn is he gonna get a gat and just come at you and clip you Damn. <laughs> some oh. hardcore shit right oh. there hey. <laughs> All right, so pretty much, and I kind of got the idea probably a couple weeks ago because I was kind of like trying to figure out new ways to like optimize the search engine. Um, so I was trying to, like my views had been down, my watch time minutes have been down. And so I'm watching stuff about tagging and properly tagging videos. And I came across, you know, some of the suggestions that TubeBuddy had. And so one of the tags Ooh. that came up it's TubeBuddy. So TubeBuddy is the app that you can have with your YouTube stuff. And so it makes suggestions and it, like it helps you out with trying to get optimized with the search engine. So it's really helped me the past two or three weeks to um, with with some of the videos I've been making. So like I went in through all my videos and re-tagged them and has helped out those. They're getting a little bit more views, but... Um, it gave me an idea because one of the tags that came up was MTG top hundred. And I was looking through, I was like, okay, what kind of people are doing this? And the only thing that really came up was Evan Irwin and his 10 videos over the 100. And so I was like, okay, so no one has really done this since Evan Irwin and looking at his video, his doesn't really point out with statistical performances. They're more like flavorful or they're more like, how they did in the scene, but from like, like certain preferences. So, you know, I also remember Niza does the top tens. 
So I kind of wanted to play off of him a little bit. So I went in, tried to find all these lists of people that have done the best cards in the history of Magic. Um, came up with some stuff that I remember doing the anthology series. added my inclusions that when I looked into this stuff. Compiled a list of about 300 to 325 cards and just started going through, through the top deck, through the MTG top eight, and see how these cards actually did while they're in standard, while they're in the mid-range formats, and while they're in the, inter the eternal formats. And so nobody had done some something like this, just like with the card anthology series. No one has done something like that. So I wanted to play on that like very, very much so I could get more attention. And so far, it's been doing quite well. And, you know, how Niza does, he does it with GPs and um, Pro Tours, like, like one and two to make it easy, make it simple. Whereas with me, how do I not copy Niza, have kind of like the tone that he set so I'm going to have to come up with a. So the idea was to come up with a different scoring system. So what I did was when a card came into the standard scene, doesn't matter if it was like, you know, like reprinted or whatnot. So whatever its standard career was, it gave got certain points. Whatever its modern or extended career was or inclusion, it got two points for it. And then for if it's playable in a, the eternal formats, it would get more points because of their long lasting um, playability, their longevity. So they get more points for it. And so doing the statistical run, it came up with some interesting results that I did. Now, probably not everyone's going to agree with the scoring system that I did. However, it was a big undertaking and people seemed to like it with the exception of the first comment that I got. So the first comment was like, you know, very like disappointed and like all this, you could have done better than this. Like um, it was just like very upsetting. And then Niza comes into the picture and kind of like gives his two cents because I guess Niza watched it all the way through. Anyway, getting off track, but I had to come up with a scoring system, a rubric, and some really interesting cards came up. And it's just like, wow, like for some of these cards, they had a really big standard run and had to only see limited play in the other formats. And some cards that made the list had a shitty run in standard and then didn't get picked up until like later on in modern when other cards from other sets came out to really affect it so you know it was it's a big undertaking but it's a very underutilized search engine that people do search up and only the only thing that comes up is evan Irwin stuff so that's what i've been doing so my script so far is you know 60 percent done once i get the script finished i'll actually do all the audio recording and then just go bit by bit so, so probably in so the you, next so you pulled that you pulled that up and you said only Evan Irwin pops up. So are you now at the top of that YouTube algorithm? Um, from, and what the cool thing about TubeBuddy is that it's, it shows you your rankings in the search engine. So let me check real quick. You don't have to do so, that. So, well, so if you, okay. So if you look at MTG top 100, it's my video first. And, nice. then it's really Evan and then it's Evan mm -hmm. Irwin's. And then I think if you also do Magic Top 100, if you look at Magic Top 100, it's the second one. So I, you know, that video has really dominated that particular search. And of course, it did the other things that are related to Top 100. But me and Evan Irwin are right now next to each other in the search engine. So it's a, it's been a highly underutilized 
search engine, which is probably why it's doing so well. Like it's almost at 2000 views in three days, which is like comparably it's doing just as well as the timeline video, which was another thing that nobody really did. Which well, because like, it's guys, a huge undertaking. I, I joke that yeah, you hate life, but it's it's putting in that work to do that. And and I and I watched Evan Irwin's top one hundred, but it's all subjective. It's all his kind of favorites. There's a little yeah. bit of facts that goes with it, but just the fact that you're doing hard evidence with it is is pretty fantastic. Well, and I'm not saying that the and, and it's not like I wouldn't say it's completely objective. I am making a scoring system, but it's stuff that of my numbers of what I would think would be a good fit. So while it might not be completely objective, it's not totally subjective like Evan Irwin's is or like mostly subjective like his list was. So I am making like why I am making my own rubric. I'm trying to correlate it with, you know, something that can be relatable, like in the standard format, it's only going to have a small limited runtime. So it's only going to get a small amount of points for those inclusions, which is why some like some of the cards like Aetherhub showed up because right now it is in a lot of decks. However, it's probably going to come off the list later on because it's probably not going to see format, you know, being run in formats like in the eternal formats. So while while it yeah for right now, so while it is some cards on there are from like the newer sets like Gideon. You know, how long is it going to take before it gets knocked out by another card that's coming out of the standard or just another card that can play on like maybe, you know, another Dominaria card. So while it's not completely objective because I am throwing my own numbers in there and trying to I'm trying to correlate it with as much as I know about math. Um, and I'm trying to make it as objective as I can. However, like that first comment, like did not completely agree with my content and learning more about who this person was. Apparently they're doing their whole dissertation about the mathematics of MTG. So like that's, there's no way I'm going to compete with, you know, a mathematical mind like that. Like, okay. Like the best I could teach is I could teach math up to ninth grade. And I just got that recently. So I'm not going to, I can't deal with someone who's has like a mind in statistics. That's been doing it for like four or five years. There's just no way I can compete with that. So while I can't please everyone, I think most people get the gist of it. I think it's simple enough to where people understand what, you know, what a card is worth as far as like their performance. And I think they understand that, you know, once you talk a little bit about the history and why it was ranked so high, I think they could get the gist within the first like few few seconds that you talk about it. So while I'm trying to make it simple, I'm also trying to put some sort of grading system into it. And so people can agree on people can agree on it or people can disagree on it and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just trying to put it into a different perspective other than just being completely subjective. I'm trying to grade with what I have, what we all know about and what's out there. So that's why I came up with th this particular video this little mini series and i might do more top 100s like this because it's still a highly underutilized search engine which might actually get me propped up to like five thousand subs maybe next year ten thousand. i hope that happens so like i've been getting like a little trickle of subs in Big just from the video YouTube, right? I, I hope so that'd be that'd be nice because while teaching's like fun and all that like um you know, my, my heart is in coaching 
And right now, if I could be a coach without being a full-time classroom teacher, I would, I would do it. But it's just, you can't do that in Texas. You can't do that mm-hmm. in like most States. So like, I love For football. Sure. I, I love track. I love like most of the sports I've been involved in. But the fact is like being a teacher, like I, I like teaching. I like, but having like teaching five or six classes each year, that's, that's, that's hard along with dealing with all the, uh, with the parents, with the student, with the individual students and him having them, in, you know, them having different needs and different, you know, you got to do different stuff with each student or each group of students and trying to specialize, you know, trying to make a standard like squared education curriculum going into these different molds. I mean, that's, that's hard to pull off, which is why teachers need a two month summer break off is to try to figure out what the hell they're doing next year. Because, you know, when they get into the, when they get into next year's classes, they don't know what they're dealing with. Even even teaching the stuff that they have to reteach and been doing it for a while, they need to see how with these new students, how are they gonna how are they gonna fit with these students as far as like getting the content to them, getting the curriculum uh, given to them. So you know, for me, it's like teaching's hard. I wouldn't say it's like all bad, but it's just like. Especially with Texas, Texas is bad with the with, with the retirement services. When I the first month I got into teaching, it it went from fifty two where you could retire as a teacher to sixty two the first month I got in there, and I was like, okay, this is like this is a bad start for my teaching career because going into it partially was I could retire early, and now I can't. So, you know, it, it's going to be it, it's kind of interesting what my new schedule is going to show at the high school because now I got moved up. But I think telling y'all my new schedule looks pretty damn good. So I don't know. I might not be complaining for too much longer. I might be staying <laughs> as a teacher for a while now that I get one economics class and three facilitating classes, which means I'm going to be helping the Delmar College teacher with, you know, helping them out. But they're mostly going to be running the show. So I might well, be staying as a teacher for a while because, you know, $59,000, $60,000 in the highest paid area, that's something you can't pass up. And once football season's over, I mean, you know, your schedule gets a hell of a lot easier. But I, I remember last year and the year before, you know, the average working person works 2,000 hours. We we as coaches put in 3,200. So Jeez. we put in we put about more than Sounds 50%. like rookie numbers. <laughs> yeah, you probably put in about 4,000, sir. I wouldn't doubt it. So, but yeah, like it was, it, it's especially from <laughs> August to late November, you know, it's a lot of hours. And that's not even including playoffs and GP's known for, you know, Gregory Portland's known for going to the playoffs quite often. And you just don't know how you're going to stick around. Of course, you know, that's going to be like a super exciting time because you're playing for the state championship essentially. So, but well, I I think we're all going to be better for it as far as uh, you making more content goes, because I, I think there's, like you said, there's a reason why there is a gap of content at, the things that you're doing is because you can't fake it. You have to really, you know, you could, Evan Irwin is, is a whale as far as the community goes. And he could kind of put up his own personal list because he is such a historian. He's been around the game, you know, self-admittedly since the rocks were soft, but then, you know, an up, up and comer like yourself, you know, which even though you've had some success as far as subscribers and views is gone, you're still an up and comer because you've only been yeah. at this for two years. Yeah. So I mean, it, it it's great that you're filling this need that 
people wanted. They didn't know they wanted, but but they definitely are because your your views are definitely seeing it. Um, but but that's that's fantastic. That you know, like, and that that drew me to your channel in the first place. Anyways, is just watching those uh, the card anthology series, and I've been lucky enough to be a part of that as well. It's just it's filling that need in the community. And that's really, you know, this is kind of going full circle to what we were talking about in the beginning of the episode where, you know, yes, it's magic related, but it's also content creation related. And that that's the other thing is, is you're so good at applying your, your personal professional craft to your content creation. And that, you know, it, it just comes off as very genuine because you know what you're talking about because you have all these facts to back you up. So that's awesome, dude. But uh, we do, we are kind of running up against it. So we are going to uh, go kind of round the, the corner to our final segment. And many people have said that <laughs> Johnny Sliver <laughs> is just a hack. However, <laughs> Johnny Sliver owns the most important artifact in the multiverse universe and that's the crystal ball <laughs> many, many people do magic finance but nobody does the crystal ball is this a metal we, video? We, re we really need a theme song for the crystal a ball theme song i don't know tonight's crystal ball is brought to you in part by this Right here. This is my crystal ball today, because the bat. <laughs> That's just. We're gonna keep it simple. I talked about half the crystal ball already. Doing the whole, uh, doing the whole reserve list freak. I, I, I think there's a future, for like the re the reserve list is getting bought up. You go. Wait, is Johnny Slivers drunker than I am? Uh, I, let, I don't know. Possibly. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. The ice is melted. It's all gone now. But the uh, ba basically. You look if you go back and look at all the cards that are getting reprinted. No, what? What am I talking about? Yep, I've had more than you, John. Sorry, uh, crystal ball is cracked. All right, so here's sober now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so basically, the reserve list is getting bought up left and right. Even the garbage cards are getting bought up, and the prices are going up, and they're becoming less accessible. And I'm just thinking about well, where's the next possible investment opportunity? And you go, there's this little chunk of Magic the Gathering history that's before modern after the reserve list and there are cards that just don't see the light of day in modern because they're not printed in that zone and they're not powerful enough for legacy because they're getting overshadowed by a bunch of other cards so i think there's some gems in that kind of range of magic cards that haven't been reprinted yet and i think wizards is starting to kind of go back and look at those and bring them into the fold kind of like with that scepter that gives you the extra turns so i was looking around and thinking to myself okay where could we find opportunities for all this good stuff. And, and one of the cards that came up that's really undervalued and probably worth checking out is something called Dawn Strider. It is two and it's one in a green for a one, one. And the ability on it is pretty interesting, especially given that graveyard shenanigans is now more of a thing. Pay one, discard a card from your hand, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn. So it's fog on a stick and it fuels the graveyard. This thing's going for, what is that? Uh, that's this it's going for under a dollar on Star City, so it's going to go for even less than that. And, and really, this is one of those things like if you're looking for potential investments, this could be one of those because I could see them bringing this back. This is like a Golgari card for sure. How are the foils? I, I'm i not even sure. I'm just looking at the generic stuff. So the foil stuff. The uh, foil is $10. Oh, see, is it $10 that's very foil? telling. 
that is fucking telling yeah. right there. So that's pretty sweet. And, the, you know, we can go back there. They bring back some other good. Did you know Price of Glory is going for over $7? This thing is it's two in a red. And it's whenever a player taps a land for mana during another player's turn, destroy that land. They could bring Price of Glory back and print Counterspell. Done. Right there. There's your counterbalance to counterspell is price of glory. You could you could do it. They could do this. They could go back and get these cards, bring them back, bring prices down, or you could go through these old sets and look for some of these nuggets that you think, hmm, that'd be great in modern if it was only printed in modern. And those cards that are undervalued because they don't have an actual format they can go into, that's where I think it's worth looking. So that's kind of my crystal ball hot take. I'm just thinking, uh, what's oh, that and you know that land cycle shadow like shadow blood ridge. Where you pay one tap it and you get a filtered like two lands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. talked about this. The signet lands. We talked about that. I'd love to see those come back. That aura shards needs a reprint for sure. And then something like uh something like the Phyrexian altar where you sack a creature and get a color mana of whatever your choice is. Those cards, I'd love to see those come back for standard. And then Mutanic Growth too, right? Because I, I know there's aura shards, but the one for uh artifacts is i think it's called what mutanic growth yep mut mutanic there's like a bunch a bunch of mutanic things where they they either target an artifact an enchantment creature like these are some really neat cards that if they brought them into standard it could spice up modern i think there's potential in that section of magic's history that's not reserve list and it's not getting a lot of love because it's not in modern so. And this is the this is the point where Johnny is given his tank, and then the, the given his take, and the rest of us say if it's bullshit or not. I'm actually going to say it's actually a pretty good take. You could always say you could always look at that where it's like if the regular card is under a buck and it's kind of trending down, but the foils are amazing. I think there's room for growth on that one. So I think Johnny has a good take this week. Zuby, yay! There you go. Uh, I'm I'm selling my stocks now to buy some Dom Striders. <laughs> coach is johnny full of shit or are you buying up uh, all the uh whatever he's selling uh, i'm gonna stick with amazon for right now i'm just <laughs> <laughs> no i mean the the cards is pretty nice it's um it's an interesting card um it just i don't know it, i mean it's it's interesting it's something that you don't see too often but it just dies way too easily that's and the, it might it might just be a too. bullet magnet, kind of like you play a Birds of Paradise, you expect it to get bolted. So, you know, yeah. that might just be one of those bullet magnets, like, don't give them the graveyard engine. Yeah, but so is a Noble Hierarch. So, yeah. yeah. So, and, and those are still, what, 60 bucks, 70 bucks? Too many bucks. Too many bucks? Too All many the bucks. bucks. All the bucks! And with that said, that is 10 Street Hooligans for the week. I want to thank... All of the fellow hooligans that have joined us for the show, but I do want to talk about my um, my friend here, uh, Brother uh, Thelonious, the Belgian style Abbey Ale from North Coast Brewing. Uh, this was this was fun. Uh, this was a very fun beer. Um, it, it was a good friend uh, to have. We he and I were having a private conversation. Uh, during the show, and he got the best of me. But no, uh, great beer out of five. I'm going to give it a, a four, 4.0 out of five. How about your uh, copious amounts, uh, the intake of Crown Royal you had, Mr. Slivers? Um, it, the ice helps. It does. Uh, yeah, it's it was fine. It was like, I don't know, a three out of what? A 3.5. We'll give it a 3.5. Oh, 3. my 5. God. All right. Uh, someone call an ambulance wrong. for Johnny Slivers. Uh, Zuby, how was your uh, tasty beverage tonight? 
it was good. And your Superman Henry Cavill is staring into my soul right now. Very nice. Oh, my hat's impeding. Oh, I'm <laughs> so jealous. <laughs> hey, Wonder Woman, yo, girl. Hey, hit me up. Coach, how was the uh, mystery That was good, as usual. All right. Just perfect. Just perfect. Coach is just drinking up straight-up moonshine. <laughs> He's really Dude, the driver. Of pie moonshine. You got me. I make, I, make the, I make the batch in my backyard. Damn. Dude. Awesome. All right. Where can you have everyone, some cows, too. Where can everyone find you, Coach? Everyone can find me on the Car Bazaar. So if you want to check out that that top uh, 100 video, that first part that we just mentioned, it is the most recent video. Um, so you just go to the Car Bazaar. Um, you could also find me on Twitter. Um, just coach at the Car Bazaar CC. And that's pretty much all I got. So go ahead and check out that video. Awesome. Johnny Slivers. You can find me on Twitter at Johnny Slivers. <laughs> and, uh, also, I also have some articles on Kitchen Table Magic or Kitchen Table MTG.com. Not the, not the one with Sam. It's another one. So uh, go to my Twitter profile and then you can find a link to that website. And I've got old articles there about crazy talk. So there it is. <laughs> just, just wonderful. Just absolutely. And my favorite part of the show, Mr. Zuby, where can everyone find you? Um, yeah, I've got this podcast called Magical Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Do the fucking thing. Yo, 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 yo. Magic Kazubi can be found on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. You can find me on Facebook.com slash Magic on Twitter at Magic on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby, and you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com. There you go. Never gets old. Never gets should, old. Should I do my Grand Prix appearances too? Yeah, let's do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, Magic Zuby is yeah. scheduled to be at Grand Prix Orlando from August 10th through the 12th, as well as Grand Prix Atlanta from November 2nd through the 4th. There nice. you go. Oh, so yeah. good. Hey, uh, and before. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> Choking on my spit. He even threw up in his mouth a little bit afterwards. He's uh, <laughs> the sober one. <laughs> Uh, I'm tired as fuck right now. Holy shit. (laughs) Just because it's it's clear liquid in a water bottle doesn't mean it ain't vodka. But uh, before I can tell you where you could find me, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you found me here. You found us all here. But uh, everyone's going to make me be that YouTube person because we just need the 10th Street Hooligans to get bigger. So put this in everyone's ear. Share this video. Share this video. Tell your friends that you had a good time getting fucked up and and talking magic with the hooligans tell everyone subscribe smash the like bell or the or the the button or the whatever dislike the video i don't care just watch it um so share it to everyone let the world know that we exist here that we're a good time had because i guarantee you didn't have more fun watching anything else tonight um and that's not shots fired i I really don't know maybe maybe you did maybe there was some other stuff so go watch that instead but anyways there wasn't there was not you can find me right here (laughs) on they said we said you could also find me on twitter at orzov dunn you could also find me facebook instagram uh john dunning they said we said all that great stuff so for zuby johnny slivers coach i'm john and that is the show we will see you in two weeks yo 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 peace out peace